Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Do you feel like life struggles are starting to slow down your life? Are you facing anxiety? Don't worry, keep breathing. Today, Pastor Rich is kicking off a new collection of talks, Breathe When Anxiety Attacks. We believe this collection will help you. No matter what season of life you're in, we all face moments of difficulty. But moments of struggle do not have to define you. God is with you. Jesus really loves you. Just keep breathing. To discover more resources on mental health and anxiety, visit vuchurch.com slash breathe. We want to encourage you. It's always too soon to quit. Let's listen to Pastor Rich together. Chapter 7, verse 31. Sort of interesting because we spent six months in the Gospel of Mark, but I felt like there was still more there. There was still more there. And uh, this is what it says, giving you the first uh, just five verses today. It says, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephaphtha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Today, our first installment of our collection of talks entitled Breathe, I I wanna preach a really, really basic message entitled, Don't Stop Breathing. And would you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't stop breathing. Look at your other neighbor, come on, city, participate all the way over there, say, don't stop breathing. You're gonna have to, help a little bit today in the message. Um, I came across some research not too long ago. It was a study done by a man by the name of uh, Dr. Carl uh, Pillimer, who is a professor of human development at Cornell University. And in his research, he was doing a study where he was spending time with senior citizens. In fact, he ended up surveying and researching and and studying 1,200 different senior citizens. And ultimately, what he discovered in his study is at the end of their life, they all kind of came back with this overarching kind of similar, if you will, uh, response to their greatest regret in life. And what they collectively sort of said, these 1,200-some people, was that at the end of their life, as they were reflecting on their life, what they all said is that we wish we wouldn't have worried so much. We wish we wouldn't have worried so much. I heard one person one time say that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. Uh, I like how the Apostle Paul, he, he writes in his letter, Philippians chapter four, this is a familiar passage. If you've been around VU, we've preached from it many times. But he says this, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, someone say peace. Peace. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many out there, just by a show of hands, even if you're watching online, you can put something in the chat right now. How many of y'all, you could use some extra peace today? Like, I haven't met anybody yet who's like, you know what, I got enough peace. (laughs) 
How you doing? I'm just, I'm full of peace. I'm too peaceful. This is not something you hear commonly. I think everybody we meet could use a little bit more peace. It's amazing that at the end of their life, these 1,200 senior citizens are saying, I wish I wouldn't have worried so much. And so we kind of know what we're going to be saying at the end of our life. The question is, how do we actually conquer that here and now today? Paul, who wrote this letter some 2,000 years ago, is speaking to people saying, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then what he says is, he says, the peace of God. I like God's peace because God's peace is not circumstantial. God's peace is not based upon your exterior environment, but rather God's peace starts from the inside out. This type of peace, it transcends, it permeates every challenge you are going through. And this peace will guard your heart but it will also guard your mind. Let's just be very, very clear. God cares about your mental health. (laughs) Because 2,000 years ago, he was giving you a remedy. He was giving you a prescription towards your mental health. He says, I want to give peace to your mind. Paul starts by saying, don't be anxious. And this word anxious, it really comes from the word worry. And when you begin to study the word worry from its original language in the English, uh, you'll get some synonyms that show up with it. Uh, Worry in its original meaning meant to choke or to strangle. Isn't that fascinating? I think it's actually a really, really good like kind of metaphor because I won't make you raise your hand right now, but like so many of us in this room, we feel like we are being strangled by our situations. So many of us in this room, we would say, man, like just my life right now, I just find it difficult to breathe. It's just a, it's a heaviness. It's, it's this, this mild grade of anxiety that I feel like almost every person I get to actually get past the surface with is carrying in their life. Maybe it's because your job is so demanding. Maybe it's because your family is so demanding. Maybe it's because you don't want to let anybody down around you. Maybe it's because you've failed in the past and now you're trying to overcompensate for it. Or maybe you've gone through some hurts or through some hangups. And today there's this gloom that hits your life. So many of us, when we hear the word choke or to strangle, it resonates with us that we are going through circumstances right now where my breathing is off. I'm I'm finding it difficult to breathe. If that's you today, I want to encourage you that you have come to the right place. If that's you today, I want to encourage you that God does not leave you in that state and just say, tough your way through it. He doesn't just say, get some more willpower. But today, God says, I have a supernatural peace that transcends all understanding. Doctors can't answer it. Scientists can't solve it. It is a peace that passes all understanding. That's what we have access to today as God's people. The great Danish philosopher, Soren Kiergaard, he said this about despair. He said, despair is the sickness unto death. It is the sickness unto death. Uh, The reason why I don't have to get a show of hands today about do you feel like you're having a hard time breathing? Do you feel like your situation is strangling you? Do you feel like you are choking your way through your circumstances? I don't need to take a poll in this room because research already tells us 
that we have never seen anxiety at this point in society ever. Like just even from like August 2020 to they said April 2021, it it rose 41%. And like, once again, like we all have this shared suffering experience called this pandemic. Like that was tough. It still is strange. But do y'all remember like March of 2020? Like I remember like groceries coming up on our doorstep and my wife and I would have to put on like, you know, uh, hazmat suit and, um, you know, he'd go out. My wife maybe burned shoes. Like, you walked on the streets of Miami. I'm like, I'm burning them. You know, like, it was just a lot, you know, and I don't really care what your drug of choice is, CNN or Fox News. Um, both are serving it to you one way or the other, and it's not producing a lot of peace, if you know what I mean. Depression is on a rise. Antidepressants have never been prescribed quicker and faster than ever before right now. Would you believe this? Would you believe that there are twice as many suicides in America as there are homicides in America? Get ready. I know this is some bad news. We got to hear some bad news before we get some good news. Suicide is the second leading cause of death from the ages of 11 to 30 in America. What? Suicide is the second leading cause of death in our teenagers in America? I mean, it kind of changes the way you think about parenting for a moment. Because us parents, bro, we, we like try to get our kids ready for everything in life. You got to eat this. You got you to you you make sure you look left and right before you cross the street. This is swim lessons. We live in South Florida, swim lessons. I got both, my, my boys started swim lessons at a year and a half. I, bro, we've got rules for everything. We are preparing them for life, but nobody is telling some parents, hey, also you should add to the list, you need to teach your kids how not to end their life. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in teenagers. Friends, I would say there is another pandemic amongst us. I would say that this idea of anxiety and depression and suicide is sweeping the land. And if somebody is going to bring the good news, if somebody is going to bring the answer, I believe the body of Christ, I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to herald there is hope. There is hope. And even today as I'm speaking, I realize that there are people in this room and people watching online or people that are listening to this later on through podcasts that you are honestly hanging in the balances today and you are questioning as you go to bed at night, is life worth living? And I'm just, I'm pleading with people in our house and I'm pleading with people that are listening to this later on You don't have to die to end your pain. Suicide is always this permanent solution to a temporary problem. I know you're struggling and I know that you're scared and I know that you are going through the reasons in your mind, but please hear me today. You are loved. You are needed. You are known. And even today, as we begin this journey, 
I even asked God this week that I know there's people in the room and I'm planning on preaching all day today. And I want to because I know there's people in the room that are just hanging on for dear life. And I just want to remind some people that, that came in today, just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. Because listen to me, the bravest thing you can ever do is continuing to live when you want to die. And if you're here today and like you're just hanging on, I just want to continue to applaud you and I want to continue to tell you that you matter and that you are valuable and you are brave. Don't quit. Just keep breathing. Breathe. That's what we titled this collection. And the reason why we titled this collection because well, breath, it's, it's, it's such an interesting concept when it comes to this idea of anxiety or even depression. Um, breathing has uh, practical implications, and of course, breathing has spiritual implications. Let me just take a moment to kind of put us all in the same playing field. Breathing practically for a moment, uh, you and I, we take about 22,000 breaths a day. That's, that's a lot of breathing. And how many know every breath is a gift from God? When you take a deep inhale, what it does is it slightly um, increases your heart rate. And then when you, when you exhale, it slows your, your heart rate down. And so what happens is, is the more you take in a deep inhale and then uh, exhale, what happens is you start to get your heart rate on the same pace as your breath. And what's powerful is that as you start to get your heart rate on the same pace as your breath, it begins to release endorphins in your brain. And endorphins are these chemicals that go into your body and it has a natural calming, uh, it has a natural calming uh, What's the right word I'm trying to say? Uh, this is fun, by the way. Start doing this, you know? People are like, effect, changing agent. Uh, effect is what I'm looking for. It has a, has a calming effect to your body, which will naturally calm you down. That's kind of powerful because what psychologists will tell us, if you've ever been to a therapist, is that in many ways is that breathing and controlling your breath is one of the most natural pathways to managing your anxiety. I mean, it's powerful just to think about that. I can actually, with my breathing, release practically endorphins in my brain, which are going to calm my body down. But just think about it for a moment. What is suicide? Suicide is literally stopping your breath. What does anxiety do? Anxiety has the ability to attack your breath. It's called hyperventilation. What does depression do? Depression actually starts to slow your breath down where you can't get natural endorphins into your body. All of these things are attacking your breath. And what we want to say to our church practically is just keep breathing because there's something powerful taking place in your body. Practically speaking, uh, the first thing I thought about when it comes to breathing is that breathing, well, it, it's anchored in the present moment. Let me just tell you something about God's peace. God's peace is not in the future and it's not in the past. God's peace is in the present. And everything about anxiety and everything about depression, everything about mental illness, so often it's trying to take you everywhere but here. For the next three weeks, we're going to challenge you to, to be here, to be in this moment right now, to get quiet, to experience the presence of God. And when you start concentrating on your breath, it always takes you back to the present moment. But how I many you know what I love about breathing is that breathing, it's, it's always available. So you don't have to like, you just... I can just take a moment right now, count my breaths, 
get control of my breath. It's always available to me right here in the moment. It's practical. But also breathing, what does it do? It teaches us to let go. That when I exhale, can't carry the shame of yesterday. You can't carry your performance of three days ago. You've got to let it go. All you have is right now, here, today. There are these practical implications, but how many know there's also spiritual implications? This is really powerful when we start looking at God's word when it comes to this idea of breath and breathing. Genesis chapter one, verse one, the very, very beginning of the Bible. Watch this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit, someone say the spirit. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now in almost every major language, spirit and breath are are interchangeable words. And so this is the very beginning of the story uh, of creation and Creation has not yet been formed. There's darkness everywhere. It's chaos everywhere. But the Bible says the spirit of God or the breath of God hovers over the chaos. Let me encourage some people that I'm telling you what, that creation is formed out of chaos. If you are facing some chaos right now, if there's some chaos in your life, just hang on, just keep breathing because creation is on the other side of the chaos. Every end is a new beginning. (laughs) How about Genesis chapter two, verse seven? We're just all in the very first book of the Bible. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. Watch this. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. I just like this one because how was man formed? Man was dirt and God came and breathed life into the dirt. Let me just tell you, if you got some dirt in your life, Just keep breathing because God can take dirt and he can breathe divinity into it and life can come out of the dirt. There's artistry in the dirt. There's humanity coming out of the dirt. God just says, let me, let me breathe on it. This is something is going to form. Something is going to shape. A few weeks ago, we were in a collection of talks entitled Talking to Jesus, and I talked to you about the name of God. God's name is, is Yahweh, and when Yahweh is written out, there are, no, there are no vowels because the idea of God's name is, is that God's name is meant to be breathed, Yahweh. And the concept is, is that, you know, when did you first say the name of God? I think the first time you said the name of God is at your very first breath. So when does life end? Does life end when you stop breathing or when you stop saying God's name. It's just breath, Yahweh, which is fascinating to consider that when God speaks his promise into the man known as Abraham, before he was Abraham, he was known as Abram. But then when God gives him a promise, God changes Abram to Abraham because God was putting his breath into him and God was stamping him with approval. It's the same thing with his wife, Sarah. It was Sarai to Sarah. And the idea is is that God's breath is on humanity. And I want to encourage you today that if you are in Christ Jesus today, if you've surrendered your life over to God, he has breathed into you and you have been formed into his image. And he declares over your life, I approve over you and I accept you and I love you. There are spiritual implications. And it's not just all Old Testament metaphorical language. 
One of my favorite stories is in the New Testament. And it's Jesus after he's gone to the cross, after he's resurrected from the grave. And Jesus, he's he's telling the disciples that, guess what? Um, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And watch what he says. This is so, so good. John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, what's the word? Peace be with you. Do you know why he was saying peace be with you? Because they were pretty anxious. They were pretty worried. They felt like life was strangling them. They felt like they were choking just a little bit. Wait a minute. We already lost you once on a cross. Now you're telling us you're going to leave us again. There is no way we can make it on this earth without you. And Jesus is saying, I know your circumstance looks tough. I know it seems dark all around you. I know you don't understand how you will make it from one day to the next. But I've come to speak to you. Peace be with you. My peace transcends. I want to give you peace. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Receive the Holy Spirit. Before he gives them the Holy Spirit, Jesus stops and breathes on them? Breathes on them. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does in your life? The Holy Spirit, according to Jesus in John chapter 15, is a comforter, watch this, and a counselor. I'm a Bible nerd. I just think it's really cool that he's speaking to a group of men who are anxious and who are worried. And before he sends his spirit interchangeable with his breath, he breathes on them literally. And after he breathes on them, he says, receive the comforter and receive the greatest counselor you could ever, ever imagine. I believe in counseling. We're gonna talk about it in a moment. I believe in therapy, but I'm telling you what, there is no counselor like the Holy Spirit. There is no comfort like the Holy Spirit. Come on, anybody thankful today that you have the Holy Spirit who wants to meet you and walk with you? Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Breath and breathing has practical implications, but it certainly has spiritual implications. Just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. I wanted to land today in Mark chapter seven, sort of a a different passage to use speaking to you about mental health, but I chose it on purpose um, because in Mark chapter seven, we meet a guy who is sick. In fact, he's, he's, he's deaf is the sickness that he is struggling through. But I, I wanted to land on this story because I wanted to make a very, very clear point. And the very clear point that I want to make sure that we hit from the get-go of this collection in every week as we move forward, and I want you to write this down, is that it's not a sin to be sick. It's not a sin to be sick. And I don't know what it is, but somehow in the church world and somehow in the faith world, there is this stigma attached to mental health. Somehow we don't see it the same as other sickness. 
How many know if somebody walks into our Somi location today and they have a, a big cast on their leg and they've got crutches, before you know it, there's going to be a bunch of our host team around them. People are going to get up out of their seat and say, hey, take my seat. Hey, why don't you sit near the front? We want to make sure you have an aisle seat so that you're comfortable, that you can get in and out really, really easy. What do we start doing? We start being hospitable. We start serving that person that is sick. Why? Because we can see clearly that they've broken their leg or they've hurt their body. When it comes to mental health, there's no outward signs that we can quickly see as somebody walks in the door. And so before you know it, what we start to do is these people that are sick, that are going through anxiety or depression or any type of different disorder, many times there's no extra care given to them. There's no sympathy or empathy. And many times because we're just unequipped in the body of Christ and we're unequipped in this other pandemic that's going on, when somebody says, I'm dealing with anxiety, our best response is, well, you're not praying hard enough. Or if someone says, I'm dealing with depression, we say, you know what, let's just lay hands on you and, and call that demon out of you. And you're going, okay, thank you for spitting on me and shouting at me, but I'm still depressed. <laughs> And we have to get better in the body of Christ at recognizing it is not a sin to be sick. Sickness is not your identity. Sickness is not your weakness. This is something that you are going through. It does not define you. Come on. Anybody thankful that the things that we go through don't have to define us? But I want to make sure that we are removing that stigma at Voo Church always. I want to constantly make sure that we understand that at Voo Church, we are here to serve people that are going through difficult times and challenging times. And certainly, if you're going through any of these things today, we want to be a community that embraces you, that loves you, and helps you. In Mark chapter 7, we meet this guy, and we're just going to use him today because he's, he's sick, and he needs help. There's people in our community that, that, that you're sick and you need help. You need love. You need someone to serve you. I just want to make a few observations that I think will be uh, a wonderful foundation for, for the weeks to come. But Mark chapter 7, let's just read portions of it and we'll make the observations as we go. Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon. This is important to note that he's in Gentile territory. He's not amongst Jewish people. He's outside of uh, his community. He's in other areas, meeting people where they are, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of uh, Decapolis. I can't read today, but I'm working on it. Uh, There are some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hands on the man. Observation number one, I want, to write this, I want you to write this down. Silence doesn't protect you. Silence doesn't protect you. This man, he's deaf, and because he's deaf, he, he's unable to speak. He's unable to get his words out there. And I think whenever we're dealing with any form of mental illness, the lie of the enemy is, uh, it's not a big deal, don't, don't say nothing. Somehow we lie to ourselves and we think, I'll just get through this on my own. We tell ourselves, I, I'll just 
I'll just make my way through this. Here's this man in Mark chapter seven and his sickness, it leaves him in a spot that he's unable to express what he needs. He's unable to express that he's in in, in a time uh, where he needs help from Jesus. He can't speak. But when I look at people that are dealing with anxiety or depression, so often I'm always shocked how so many of us are going through things, but we don't tell anybody about it. And I gotta be honest with you, our job at the church, our job as ministers, more than almost anything, is to simply create an environment where people are able to be honest and express themselves. I'm just telling you, that, that, that more often than not, that's our goal, just to create a healthy community where you can communicate. See, the thing with depression, depression is this. Depression is not being able to talk about your problems while taking on everyone else's just to hide your own. Have you ever been there before? Where you yourself are going through such a struggle, through such a dark place, but somehow your coping mechanism becomes, tell me your problems, tell me your problems, and you just take it on and you take it on and you take it on. All the while, you're just stuffing down what you're facing. Silence doesn't protect you. Listen, we can solve just about any problem, I believe, in this community together. I mean, no, we can't solve problems we don't know about. You gotta open up your mouth. Speak up, even if your voice is shaking while you do it. Because if you can't talk about it, whatever you can't talk about controls you. And one of the ways that you disarm its power, one of the most basic ways that you fight back, next week I'm talking about how to attack anxiety. One of the most basic ways that you attack your anxiety, one of the most basic ways that you fight back against your depression is you talk about it. You bring it into the light. I don't know what it is, but anxiety and depression, they, they, don't, they don't like being in the light. They, they wanna keep you isolated. They wanna keep you in the dark. They want to keep you just dealing with it on your own, in your own room, in your own mind, in your own space, in between your own two ears, just all to you. But I'm telling you what, the burden is too heavy and the burden is too great. You have to open up your mouth and you have to give voice to the pain that's going on inside of you. The silence will not protect you. Mark chapter 7, verse 33, Jesus, he, he, took the man aside away from the crowd, away from the crowd. Write this down. Crowds won't heal you. Today, if you are in this room, if you're watching online and you are really struggling, maybe you're actually thinking about ending your life. Yo, just watching this on YouTube or just being in this room, I'm telling you what, that's a start. But friend, that is so definitely not enough. Like, like, Like you need to get alone with some professionals. You need to get alone with a person. What happens is so often we kind of just get around the crowd. We just get around the general public. But, but Jesus, I'm telling you so often, We get inspired in the crowd, but we get healed when we actually get with individual people. When we actually get with Jesus specifically. When we actually get into his presence. Crowds, they they won't heal us. 
I'm grateful we're in church today. But man, if this is you today, you need to speak up to someone. And in some cases, uh, you might need to go get some professional help. This past year, I did something for the first time uh, in January. Um, I don't know about you, but yeah, just, just feeling it, man. Just feeling the choke, feeling the strangle of life, just feeling the pressure of it all. And so I, I did a thing in January called my wilderness week where I went out into the wilderness for a few days and just turned off all the devices and just leaned into God's presence. And how many know all alone in the wilderness I'm going to learn something about God that I'm not going to discover in the presence of many. And when I came back from it, I decided, all right, this is gonna be a year that I'm gonna spend some time in counseling, in therapy. I'm 37 years of age. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty healthy, but I, I don't want to uh, find myself redlining. I don't wanna find myself in a space where I'm breaking apart. I think my, my counsel for us as a community is this, is that take a break before it breaks. Take a break before it breaks. I think so often we, we, we go take breaks and we get away from the crowd and we go find a rest or we go find a therapist after the marriage has already fallen apart. All right, I'll, I'll go get counseling after, like, you know, it takes me four glasses of red wine to go to sleep. I'm just saying... In our community, we have to look at Jesus and that Jesus, he, he takes the man outside of the crowd and before he heals him, he just, he gets him away from the crowd. I'm, I'm grateful that you're here today, but this is a conversation starter. I'm not your therapist. I'm your pastor. I'm the guy who's in your life push you to talk to a therapist, to push you to get an accountability partner, to push you to go and share your secret to someone. That, that's, that's who I am today. You're in the crowd. And maybe somebody brought you here today. Maybe you got a good friend who, who brought you here today, just like this guy. And they brought you. But even as your friend brings you, Jesus, he, he grabs you by the hand and says, all right, for this healing to take place, we got we to gotta get away from the crowd for a moment. Mark chapter seven, verse 33 continues. And Jesus, he put his fingers into the man's ears. Watch this. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. It's, it's sort of interesting and sort of bizarre. But maybe the most simple thing that you could understand for a moment is that in this Middle Eastern culture, in this time period, saliva or spit was oftentimes seen as a healing agent or even as a medicine there's some theologians that would actually believe that this was Jesus tipping his hat a little bit to saying that medicine isn't bad. And so I just, I want to write this down because I think this is important once again in the body of Christ to say this, is that medicine can benefit you. Jesus could have just healed him, but, but, he, but he chose to spit for a moment and use the saliva. And I just want to encourage some of you out there that medicine can, can benefit you. Now, Here's the reality. The reality of it is, is that many times um, the medicine that we need is not the medicine we want. Because you hear me say medicine, you're like, that's it. I need to get on prescription pills. That's it. I need to, um, like, I, I'm not necessarily saying that. However, I'm, I, I think that we should listen to doctors. I can go through my entire life and my life has benefited greatly. My, my dad's life was saved through doctors and medicine. I would not have a child today without doctors and, and medicine. 
my wife in our second birth, she was hemorrhaging. I'm grateful for doctors and medicine. But many times what I've learned is that medicine that we need is not always the medicine we want. My son Wild today is his second birthday. He's, he's two, big two today. And uh, he has a thumb sucking problem. We got, we, got, we got real challenges in the Wilkerson house. He's a, he's a thumb sucker. Pray for him. We're going to get him into, you know, he's, in a, he's, he's going through it right now. He's withdrawals, the whole thing. And so um, <laughs> I didn't tell my wife I was going to tell this story, so hopefully I'm allowed to. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sad. But right now, because he's, he's sucking his thumbs, we have to get these devices. They're, I call them plastic hands. I, I've, I've, I tell him he's a superhero and he's got plastic hands, but it, it's this plastic thumb that goes over his thumb and then his other four fingers stick out and he has to wear these little things at night. And so now Wyatt, his older brother, is like, I want to be plastic hands. And, uh, <laughs> but it's so cute because Wild's like, you know, <laughs> and he still can't speak. So da da, you know, he's got plastic hands. Um, it, it, it's a treatment. It's, it's a medicine for him to stop sucking. Some of the, the problem is, is that this is what he needs, but it's not what he wants. So we caught him in his bed last night and his thumbs are covered, but now he's, he's sucking his pointer finger. <laughs> Some things you just can't, you know, oh, pray for him. I just want to encourage our, our community that medicine can benefit you. And what I mean by that is that what's your diet? How much are you sleeping? What's your, what's your lifestyle? What's your fitness routine? I work out a lot and it's not for vanity reasons. I work out a lot for sanity reasons. The breathing, once again, it's releasing endorphins and it's calming my body and it's allowing me to take on what is in front of me. I just wonder today, what is being prescribed? What information do you have? It's always gonna require some version of discipline for us to walk a healthy life out. Medicine can benefit us, but many times the medicine that we need is not the medicine that we want. It's not the medicine that we want. So Jesus, watch this, this is beautiful. Jesus looked up to heaven. This is so good. And with a deep sigh, there he is exhaling again. There he is breathing again. With a deep breath, he said, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. I just want to tell some people today, Jesus really loves you. Jesus really loves you. And oftentimes when we're going through a dark valley this is one of the first things that we can begin to forget. That if God really loved me, why would he let this heaviness come upon me? Why would I be facing this today? But I want to encourage you that there is a God who is close to you when you are broken. 
But here's Jesus. He comes to the man and before he heals the man, he stops and he looks up. Some of us today, we're just looking down. <laughs> Our whole life is down. Our whole life is just right here. I just want to encourage you with your pot, look up. And he breathes. <sighs> Sighing more often than not has a negative connotation. It usually means to sigh with relief or a groan. But I know what Romans 8 says. Romans 8 says that the whole earth is groaning with an eager expectation for the sons and daughters to be revealed in the earth. And I just want to encourage some people that if you got out of bed with a sigh, I just want to encourage some people that if you came to church sighing, I want to encourage some people that if you're going to work tomorrow and your first reaction is to sigh, if you're parenting those kids with a sigh, if your marriage feels like a sigh, can I encourage you? Sighing is still breathing. Come on, sighing still counts as breathing. Don't stop breathing. Jesus, he, he exhales and he breathes. He looks up and breathes and he says, Fafta, which simply means be opened. And in one moment, this man who was deaf, his ears are opened up and his tongue begins to speak plainly. He speaks plainly, clearly. One of the great signs that we are healthy is when we're able to articulate and communicate that which we are up against. I'm disarming the powers of the pain that I'm facing, speaking plainly to the darkness. Jesus really loves you. He's here even right now. I don't know what you've heard about God, but, but he really loves you and he cares about the state of your heart and he certainly cares about the state of your mind. He says, peace be with you. He wants to grant you peace. He wants to give you peace. He wants to walk with you. We're singing a song today that says Emmanuel. This is one of the names of God. It means God with us. Do you know that God does not leave you? David understood this. He said, if I make my bed up in the heavens, you're there. And then he even said this. This is gonna mess some people up. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, you are still there with me. So if you're here today, and you're all the way to this side that you are on the verge of thinking thoughts of suicide. You think, God, he's not even close to this right now. There's no way. How could he be near? He has never been closer. He's right there with you. And he loves you. Some of us today, just even getting that revelation that Jesus loves you is the seed that needs to be planted for you to keep on breathing. I realized this last month as I was studying that I've said many times, it's not that the statement is wrong. I just think sometimes the statement, I never realized how it could be, it could be oppressive at times. And the statement is, is that you're not called to survive, you're called to thrive. I've said it many times and I probably will say it again because I think that you are meant to, to have the Zoe life. But let me just qualify the statement today. In some seasons and in some moments, life is not about thriving. It's literally about surviving. And if that's you today, 
surviving right now is where you're at, I commend you and I applaud you. Just keep breathing. I know I'm talking slow today and I know I'm not preaching too hard because I, I, I want to make sure that the tone of this message is conveyed right. I just sensed, even as I was on my way over today, that there are people that literally your life is hanging in the balance. And like, my close today is, come back next Sunday. Like if I could just get you to next Sunday. Survive. Some seasons are not about thriving. What a big burden to carry. What a big burden to carry if, if, if victory was getting out of bed this morning. I got to thrive too? No, you just, this is a season to survive. Survive. Don't stop breathing. Don't stop breathing. He's with you. And he loves you very, very much. More than I could ever convey, more than I could ever articulate, more than I could ever preach. Whoever you are, whatever you walked in here with, whatever you believe, whatever you don't believe, there's a God who loves you. Yes, he wants to transform you. Yes, he wants to take you on a journey. But right where you are today, just the way you are, he loves you. He sees you. Silence doesn't protect you. Crowds, it won't heal you. Medicine can benefit you. <laughs> and Jesus, he really loves you. He's for you. You believe that today? Can we thank God all of this for you? Why don't you stand to your feet here at Somi, there at City, if you're watching online. Lord, I just, I thank you today. God, I thank you for what you're, you're starting, Lord, as you've started a conversation in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that over the next three weeks, Lord, that you would transform us, Lord. God, that you would bring healing to our house. That God, you would bring peace to our house. Lord, today we, we submit to you, Lord, every area of our life, Lord, that is, that is unhealthy. God, we, we want peace to meet us where we are. God, thank you for loving us, Jesus. Thank you for meeting us where we are. God, we don't have to get well and then come find you, but rather, Lord, you find us in our sickness. You find us in our brokenness. You find us in our turmoil. You find us in our trial. God, you find us in the midst of our tribulation. And Lord, you breathe life into us. And so Lord, today, we're just deciding as a church that we're just gonna keep on breathing, Lord. Spiritually and practically, Lord, we're just gonna keep on breathing. We're gonna look up and we're gonna receive the healing that heaven has to offer us. God, we inhale your grace, and God, we exhale faith. God, we inhale your love, and then we exhale action. God, we inhale your mercy, and then God, we exhale, Lord, action and belief and responsibility in you. Today, Jesus, meet us in this place. So come on, church, why don't we lift our hands now at the city here at South Miami. Come on, sing it out. You are enough, God, come on, sing it out. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. 
And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from Vu and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com.